Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. And we're rolling. Christmas week. You're Yay. you're here and healthy. You sound good. I feel better. Um, not a hundred percent, but better. So. And you're you just have a rock solid immune system. In the words of Sia, I'm unstoppable. <laughs> That's Such good. inspiring words. I'm a Porsche with no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I so I listened to that song just a couple days ago, and for the longest time, I did not know what she said, and I had to look it up. I'm a Porsche with no brakes. That yeah. is not a good line. No, it's, it's, that uh, is a, that is kind of a cringeworthy yeah, line. Yeah, I agree. Kind of like when Katy Perry says, "Do you ever feel like a plastic bag?" <laughs> in the song, uh, yeah, uh, what's it called? Firework. Firework. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Anyway, yeah, oh, some very inspiring lyrics there. <laughs> well, whatever it is, that's who you are. You're unstoppable. Yeah. So keep it going. At least get through Christmas. We need you. Mm-hmm. I got sick earlier around Thanksgiving, so then I'm good yeah, to go. That was that, that was good planning. Yeah. Intentional. Mm-hmm. Build up that immune system. So as we wind down to to wind up for Christmas, uh, what do you, what do you think about Annie? Um, well, I am thinking about um, I guess fast fashion. Okay. Um, fast fashion is is basically. Um, when when companies make poorly made clothing to adhere to the trends that are happening and then people go out and buy them they're poorly made they're cheap um it's very wasteful mm-hmm. so i guess yeah i don't know i just i don't much i don't agree with that that's why i prefer to shop secondhand honestly because mm. i feel like it's more sustainable hmm. so they're making this clothing mm-hmm. so that you could just hit the trend right when it, because trends change so quickly, right, right? Right, But the stuff will fall apart after like a wash or something, you know, like, so mm-hmm. it's, it's just really poorly made and you just have to wonder like what impact that has on mm-hmm. you know, the economy and, and, you know, where, and who's making who's it, making it yeah. and, right. And things like that. So how far do you go with, I know some people who like research, they only buy their clothing from fair trade companies making sure they're sustainable companies that there are good working conditions do you guys look into that when you buy I typically it? don't but okay. um but yeah like I said I I prefer shopping secondhand I like I mm-hmm. just can't it's just so wasteful mm-hmm. you know the money wise you're talking about or no the, I mean like actually like the clo- like oh like it's just it seems ridiculous for clothing to like good clothing to go to waste oh mm-hmm. gotcha yeah I don't buy everything secondhand, obviously. Like, no, I buy your underwear secondhand, you know. But get some good deals there, yeah. the Goodwill. Ew. Ew. I have, uh, you know, the, the whole simplicity movement mm-hmm. that about tiny houses, fewer mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard some Christian authors and thought leaders talk about this. That simplicity is not necessarily buying. Uh, just junk or or being poor or but it's buying a few things that are well made that you can use mm-hmm. and uh you know things that you, just intentional more intentional um it's interesting i don't know if this has anything to, when when jesus was crucified you know he had one garment and uh it was 
worth enough that that they were they wanted to uh, bet over it. Uh, you know, I don't. So I don't know. There, there maybe there's some wisdom in in not just jumping on the Walmart. Uh, and it's it's not just Walmart. I mean, it's like it's Forever yeah. Twenty One. Yeah. It's H and M. It's a lot of these like kind of you know stores that yeah. cater to like young adults or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm always really fascinated with the concept of a capsule wardrobe, which I could never ever do. I think I, I don't know what that is. A capsule wardrobe is where you have maybe like 30 pieces. Okay. Pants, shoes, mm-hmm. whatever, shirts, jackets, whatever. And you can interchange them okay. so that you always look put together. Mm. And, and the idea is that you buy, you know, these 30 pieces are like super well made. So you probably pay a little more for oh, them. Oh, so yes. you buy the same thing? Like a cartoon character? You wear the same thing every no, day? But, no, but not far off, oh, I'd say. I've always thought about doing that. I basically do that as it is. I haven't noticed, but... <laughs> I don't know. So I, I like that concept, but I think for me personally, like mm-hmm. I can't do that because, mm-hmm. you know, just being in a band and, yeah. you, you know, when you have a lot of roles to fill, you need a lot of stuff. What do you, so what do you mean by interchangeable? Because if you ask me, all shirts kind of are interchangeable. For dudes, I think. Well, you, you, T-shirt t- and jeans are all interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pants, shirt. Yeah. It's like I need to put on pants and I need to put on a shirt so that I can go out in public. Lucky you. <laughs> Lucky I don't. I just, I, I'm. I'm actually baffled. Like, what do you mean they're not interchangeable? Um, You're talking know. about Being like sty- stylistically. Like, this does not go with in quotes. Yeah, this. and I think you know, like if if you've got to wear professional clothing to the office and things like that, you know, or you you know you're doing stuff where you have to be. You know, thankfully mm-hmm. here we can kind of be kind of casual. Um, but you know, you buy like you know, think like three blazers and five undershirts mm-hmm. and you know, two pairs of pants and then you like swap them all up. And then I don't, I, I've been looking, I've been looking, I'm fascinated with the idea. I just know I could never do it. You don't have to worry about that. I'm don't worry about confused. it. <laughs> I've never seen one for a man. So I mean, I haven't looked for one. I'm sure they exist. But. It's a ca- you can buy a capsule. It's got like 30 things. No, it's just called a capsule wardrobe because it's small and compact. So you buy these 30 pieces and you like can make a bunch of different I'm outfits. So I'll show you later. <laughs> anyway, the point is, you know, and that, that got me thinking, you know, the more I was, you know, we've been cleaning out our basement and stuff, and like, we got all this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, why do we have so much stuff? Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's because we do a lot of stuff, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, when mm-hmm. you do a lot of stuff and you're active, you know, we've got, you know, rollerblades and we've yeah. got tennis rackets. Well, we do those things. Like, yeah. You know, why do we have so much stuff? It's because we do a lot of stuff. And I think yeah. if you do a lot of stuff, then you have a lot of stuff. Right. I, I think what I was talking about, that simplicity, just checking if I am I using this. You can yeah, only yeah, use yeah. so many things. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think there is something that, you know, as we are starting a new year, this that might be somebody's. All right. I'm going to start 2023. I'm going to simplify. I'm going to maybe buy things that are a little bit more durable. Uh, my dad was is pretty good about that. Like he always, he wants to buy the best drill, the best mm-hmm. Whatever it is, and especially on Christmas, he would buy us the good stuff, uh, and we'd get you know a couple of gifts, one or two gifts, but it'd be the good one. The he good would stuff. he would research it and and uh, yeah, because in the end, you can buy. I, I, we've done this with our kids' shoes. Like Jonah goes through shoes like crazy. You could either buy him one pair of shoes that's going to last a little bit longer, or a bunch of cruddy ones that mm-hmm. he's going to wear out in right. a few days. Yeah, there's a lot. There's probably a lot that goes into that. 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like sometimes I should be doing more research on where the clothes and where the products are coming from because there is somebody on the other end, but that's really hard to, to piece out, you know, what, uh, what kind of impact you're having. And I know, you know, people can get really self-righteous about some of those things, but there's probably a happy medium of, of, but I, I agree secondhand. Emily just got me three short shirts from Goodwill. Like one's like Eddie Bauer, like the nicest shirts I own. They were six bucks each. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's the way to go. And they were probably, you know, probably in really good shape. Yep, and it's they like, were. Why, why? Like, right. and not only, not only, you know, to recycle the clothing, but it is better for your pocketbook too. Like, you know, so why? It just seems like a win. I think that's going to, you know, the, the previous generations, those who remember the Great Depression. I just remember my grandma was very frugal and very intentional about keeping everything and uh, reusing everything and using it multiple uses for everything. And then I think baby boom, it was just, we had so much stuff after that where they didn't have that. And I, I think also millennials also, it seems like this next generation is a little bit more intentional, um, but stuff so cheap, you mm-hmm. know, stuff so cheap and, you can, and like you said, poor quality, you just run through things. So, and I think with technology, fads and trends and life is going so fast. Mm-hmm. Trends are changing so fast. I can see why that would be a market to try to keep up with the trends because it's kind of breakneck speed. One, you know, yeah. And, and the, that's the Amazon one click buy. Right. Yeah. That's it's genius. Yeah. Convenient. <laughs> Make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. The returns are easy. I mean, yep. everything is really easy. So, yeah, I think if you could go back to being more intentional, and, and that's that's part of simplicity is intentionality. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, but that takes brain power. It does. <laughs> it does. It's just so easy, and sometimes you just go the easier route. I'm curious how much ads. Cause I always like. I think most of us think that like we're kind of immune to ads. Oh, yeah. Like you see a billboard and you're like, okay, who's buying that? Right. And you watch these commercials and you're like, skip, right. Skip through the commercials, get back to my program, whatever it is. I wonder how much like that actually like is wearing on you without you even realizing. Oh, I'm sure it, it does. You know? I think, I mean, there's something to be said for ads. Like, wasn't it the companies that found the money during the great depression? They found the money to advertise. Those were the ones who continue, like they were able to, you know, get mm-hmm. through the depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think about it. Like, Oh, I need a lawyer. Who am I going to call? David Gruber. <laughs> right? Because, you know, he's everywhere. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. You know, you be an Abraham. Like, right. So there is something I think said for advertising. I think if in one kind of alarming thing on Facebook, if you're scrolling, it's every every two posts from like a friend of yours. And then there's an ad. Yep. So one friend, two friend ad, mm-hmm. one friend, two Ow. friend ad. And you don't even know it because you're just scrolling. I've brought that up, the social dilemma. You guys have to sit down and watch that from Netflix because yeah. it's so, it, it, it talks about all those things. And it's about habit formation more than anything. That one click, make it easy, uh, make it habitual. Don't don't think about it. Um, yeah, just to sell us stuff we don't always need. See, people, it, they always look so happy. Though. <laughs> like, I want to be happy too. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. And I think shopping does that for people, like retail therapy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, guilty. 
Is that the one girly thing you do every once in a while? Probably my big green coat that I just got. I love it. I love that. That's good. That's good. But yeah. So what's the answer? I don't. Thrift stores. Yeah, I think so. I, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Some people don't. Some people are not comfortable with that. You know, which Mm -hmm. is fine. But I, I don't mind it. I think it comes down to why are you buying name like if you have to buy name brand clothing or the latest thing or whatever like why are you buying it well in theory in theory the name brand should be a better quality right mm-hmm. but i yeah. can think of one example of a designer that i love her name mm-hmm. is betsy johnson she's got all these wild animal prints and neon colors just crazy love yuck i know oh my God. i know but you know yuck. me come on and i love it i love it but i feel like everything i've ever purchased or been gifted is just garbage mm. like quality mm-hmm. and and it's and it's not necessarily cheap i mean it's it's a she's a designer not like mm-hmm. you know not like a dolce and gabbana gucci but like you know she's a reputable designer mm-hmm. why are you laughing? i don't know what these are <laughs> <laughs> i'm so lost anyway the point is you think that you 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 know you would think that if you're paying more mm-hmm. in theory right it should be a, of a higher quality but in this mm-hmm. case it's, it's in betsy the case of betsy johnson as far as i'm concerned it's not i think that's the shift that our country has gone from the trade of buying some things that are useful, is this useful to me, or uh, to a consumeristic society where you just as much stuff as you can get, as latest uh, the thing that you can get, and it's not anymore about, yeah, the quality. It's just about, yeah, like you're what bringing a waste up, of money. It is a waste. Yeah. That's how I feel about phones too. It's like every time I look, there's like a new phone. Yeah. And I'm like, how is this better than the old phone? And then the commercial is like all sleek and like shiny. It's like introducing and it's like going to put all other phones to shame. It's like, what? That's going to be but in a garbage pile very there, soon. There are people who, and and you know, if, if you're like this, that's fine. Personally, I don't want to spend my money on that. When the new phone, when the new iPhone comes out, they're trading in their old one to get the new one. Oh, that's you know? such terrible yeah. use of your money. Well, I, I agree, but I mean, I guess if you have it and that's what you want to do with it, that's you know, if you're if you're a techie and you really yeah. you know are into that, that's yeah. that's fine. For me, no. Yeah. Wow. I mean, but they're running out to do it real quick. We just know? got done reading a book in um, our men's mentoring group called The Treasure Principle. I read it about a decade ago, and it was fun to read again. It's a short little book by Randy Elkhorn, and he uses a verse from Matthew chapter 6 as kind of the thesis of the book where Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and thieve and rust Mm -hmm. destroy, but Mm -hmm. store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where those things don't wear out. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the whole idea behind this book is to take those verses and then other other verses too, but um, wherever you put your money that's where your heart will follow. You, you, you're putting something down, you say, this is valuable, and then your heart will follow that, saying, oh yeah, my heart's going to follow this value. So if I put all my money in fashion, no matter how good it is, I'm going to be very interested in fashion. And you know, this technology, all the greatest things will one day, according, you know, Randy Alcorn brings this up, will one day be on a garbage dump. Every single one. Every single physical thing you have is going to end up there. And whatever you think is awesome, trendy, cool today is going to be worn out, foolish tomorrow. And so Jesus, this is not a new problem, but Jesus just says, so invest in what's eternal. And then Randy Elkhorn looks at other parts of Scripture, I think it's Luke 11, uh, that has the same kind of words, where Jesus says, give to the poor, 
provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. And in general, when you you give towards things that are in, in line with the kingdom of God, he says you're storing up treasures for yourself in heaven. And so I do think there are, there's in some way we will be repaid for, or, or we can send it, the, what he says in the book is, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So you can't hold on to any of these things, but when you invest in eternal causes or values or people, uh, somehow you will be rewarded in the life to come. And I think that's just an added extra encouragement to not get caught up in temporal stuff that will, it's going to be gone tomorrow. It's going to be gone tomorrow. So, But I don't think it's a bad thing like to, to enjoy, you know, no, you know certain thing. things or, you know, having, having a style or, right. um, you know, I think it's, it gives you confidence maybe, or I don't know. So I don't think there's anything, you know, Correct. Wrong with it in itself, but if you you know really lean into it and find yeah, it's a degree of love, right? Obsessed if, if, over it, yeah. If you take a good thing like fashion, I guess some, <laughs> <laughs> and and you can make or it an style. Ul- or style, and you yeah. make it an ultimate thing. And, and in the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells us to enjoy, to eat and drink, and enjoy all these things. They are a gift of God. As long as you receive them as a gift of God, the problem is, is when you you know. Jesus says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If you think this is what gives my life value, this is what gives me worth, and if I lose these things, my God is gone, um, and, and my worth is gone, my value is gone. So, yeah, it's a degree. I, can you do it in faith? Can you do it praising God, saying, God, thank you for this? Or does this become the thing that is the center of your life? And I think... Giving is the antidote to greed, is what Jesus is saying. When you see your money as a tool to serve others, um, it, it, it kind of unshackles us from the enslavement of materialism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I had two thoughts on that. One is a Dave Ramsey quote, because I will include him as often as possible. That's right. <laughs> um, he's talking specifically about like personal like fiscal responsibility but he says you know if like if you buy something that's too expensive and you're like you know and you're, you're locked in with payments for the rest of your life with it if you buy a house he says that you don't own the house the house owns you right mm-hmm. and i think that's true of like consumerism and the the stuff we're talking about right now um is that at a certain point it's not you buying it for it's not you buying it because you want it but maybe because you feel like you need it Right. You're filling a hole or something, something void. Yeah. And and another thing off of what you said that I just thought of yesterday actually is that um sometimes you think that you will put energy or you'll put time into things that you like, but I think it's also true that you will like what you put time and energy into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes and the other so way around. Yeah. You have to And money, time, energy, and money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to intentionally reverse that if mm-hmm. that object is harmful right. or if that object is starting to own you that's great you know like the house or like clothing or whatever it is um because uh, you know i just i just you just thought, you just think of like what are the things sometimes the things you care about are not things that you actually that you thought you would care about but because you worked hard on them or because you put some mm-hmm. effort in or you took some ownership of them it's like okay now I, now i'm really invested in how that turns out mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yep exactly yeah, that first quote, you know, comes from the book of Proverbs, borrower is slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're enslaved. And talking about 
retail therapy, you know, it, it can be an addiction, right? Where an addiction is when you put more and more time and energy or whatever into something and you get less and less in return and you don't even want to do it, but you keep doing it. You know, when mm-hmm. it comes to alcohol, you're putting, you're, you're consuming more and more alcohol, getting less and less a return and you don't want to do it anymore. And that's, that's the addiction. I think that's what happens. Yeah. With, with this buying, I'm going to buy the latest phone, the newest thing more and more, keep on doing more and more. And it continues to not deliver to the point where you start hiding it hiding your, your spending or covering up or overspending or uh, hoping that the next thing is going to uh, finally satisfy me and it never actually does. Yeah, or going into major credit card debt, yeah, you know, right. over it. And yeah. yeah. Easy. All right. All good on that? Yeah, I think I feel so. like we should you should have brought in more helpful people than Matt and I when you're talking about fashion. Well, I'm honestly, yeah. I mean, again, I'm in a sweatshirt and jeans and boots. Like, what am I exactly, you know, I'm not, wouldn't say I'm, you know, overly fashionable, but I, I just think when it comes to trends, mm-hmm. you know, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. My fashion sense is cheap. Comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> That's my fashion style, comfortable. I think I change into the same pair of sweatpants like just about every day. Like I go home and I take off the normal wear in public clothes, whatever I'm wearing, yeah. and I just put on sweatpants and a sweatshirt. That's, That's good. good. I had a friend, John, like that. The too. best. Yeah. I take off the go on, the good sweatpants and put on the <laughs> scrubby sweatpants. And I, go, I have varying degrees of sweatpants. I've got my going out sweatpants. <laughs> presentable and my, sweatpants. My presentable sweatpants and my, yeah. Yeah, so my nice hoodie. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Wish I was kidding. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the next topic? Mm-hmm. All right. Sure. So I've preached on Luke 2, the story of Christmas for how many years I've been in ministry? 14, 13 years of ministry. You know what? I just had an idea. One year, change it up. Christmas Eve, sermon time. You just open like the book of Daniel. Yeah. And you're just like, today we're talking about Daniel, the prophet, and it just throw everyone off. And they're all waiting for the tie-in to yeah. Jesus. No In tie-in. those days, <laughs> Caesar Augustus. That's right. So, you, you, I mean, you could, you, there's a couple different texts, but not many. Yeah. I, I think that's another thing that we don't think about is like, the Bible's not as interested in the birth of Jesus as much as we are. You know, we... <laughs> For as much time and energy and effort that that and the and the amount of uh, like we just have to make up so many different rituals and traditions and things to keep this baby going, and there's it's a couple pages in the Bible. There's way more on the crucifixion and way more on the resurrection uh, in the entire scriptures than I mean Mark doesn't even mention his birth, and John doesn't really talk about it. Um, in a poetic way, he does. He says the word became flesh, but that's about it. So, yeah. Anyways, that being said, even what's in the scriptures is fascinating. And uh, this year, it didn't make the sermon text, so I wanted to talk about it here, just get it out of my system. Uh, Caesar Augustus, who you mentioned, uh, issued a decree. It, yeah, he issued a decree. Why? Why did he do that? Because of his ever-expanding empire. And when he was born, I think it was like 60 BC, um, there was, there's an inscription that says the birth date of the god Augustus was the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news. Hmm. And they said that because he started what was called the Pax Ramona, the, the, the Roman peace. And for the next 200 years after Caesar Augustus, 
there was peace in Rome. It, it, the government expanded to a, a level where they know, and he really cracked down on civil war. He murdered the people who murdered his father, Julius Caesar. He uh, he got rid of um, yeah any kind of pirates that were outside of that that were attacking them. Um, any foreign enemies. He really tried to build up kind of the the worship of their gods to kind of make them more a religious society. And so people praised him. And there's coins that say Caesar Augustus, the son of God, because Julius Caesar was seen as the son of, uh, or uh, Julius Caesar was seen as God. And so he was the son of God, the prince of peace. And so all the things that we say about Jesus and his birth were said about Caesar Augustus. So that's, I, I found that fascinating. Um, and I think Luke was actually using those terms, the Prince of Peace, we got that from Isaiah, but I think he uses peace on earth, the angels' announcement of peace on earth, and uh, the, the, the good news of the gospel, and the Savior of the world, all those things that would have been said about Caesar. I think Luke also said them about Jesus to compare and contrast. And there was also a... Um, uh, a philosopher who was a contemporary, like maybe a generation after Caesar Augustus, Epictetus. I think I'm saying that right. And Epictetus said this, For you see that Caesar appears to furnish us with great peace, that there are no longer enemies, nor battles, nor great associations of robbers, nor of pirates, but we can travel in every hour and sail from east to west, so all these are all great things that he did. But, this philosopher said, can Caesar give us security from fever also? Can he, from shipwreck, from fire, from earthquake, or from lightning? Well, I say, can he give us security against love? He cannot. From sorrow? He cannot. From envy? He cannot. In a word, then he cannot protect us from any of these things. And so this this philosopher is saying he might be able to give us external peace, and that's a wonderful blessing, but he can't give us peace in our hearts. He can't protect us from envy, from hatred, from all these other things. And so there's a limit to what he gave us. And uh, that's why we need another Prince of Peace. And I think that's what Luke is trying to tell us, that there's peace on earth to whom his, on whom his favor rests. On, on, because of the favor of God, we have peace with God, ultimately, uh, and that gives us peace in our conscience. And when we have peace in our conscience and our hearts, we also treat each other with peace. So I don't know. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, do you have any thoughts or comments or questions on that? Uh, does that interesting or challenge you? Or I don't know. Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, you know, someone might look at this and say, well, then the person who did something really significant was Caesar Augustus, because you can look at tangible, he brought in a road system. He, uh, he expanded the ability for people to read in Greek and the publication of, of documents. He, he stopped civil war. And you can draw a line from Caesar Augustus' reign and physical peace and, and all those things. You can't necessarily draw a line from what Jesus did on the cross to... Uh, an external kingdom. And so people look at them, well, who did the greater thing? What we believe as Christians is that, um, that Jesus did the greater thing by giving us peace with God, and it's going to be an eternal peace when Jesus is going to come back and resurrect our bodies. 
also we would say Jesus is the king of kings, it is because Jesus used Caesar Augustus to make those roads and make uh, literature accessible to all people that the gospel could be written down and it could travel on these roads to reach the, the farthest place. So Jesus, this baby in a manger, is actually the king over Caesar Augustus. He's actually causing the census to happen so that the baby was born in Bethlehem. He's actually causing these roads to be built by Caesar Augustus. And we see this throughout the Bible where God uses Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus and all these different rulers to further his, his influence. And so um, I think that's the challenge of being a Christian is you can't always see tangible results from the work that you do and the work that God is doing. And it takes faith to believe that God is King of Kings, Lord of Lords over all this. Uh, he, we still worship a God that seems to be that God born in that corner of the country in little town of Bethlehem, laid in a manger, and it doesn't seem to have the visible results, immediate visible results that that human rulers have. Like anything sparking in your brain there, Matt? Well, we talked about this yesterday, but you know. I just wanted to see what you had to think about uh, um, if that if that uh, writing by Luke is deliberate response to Caesar's titles. I think it is just because it's so close. Uh, you know, this the birthday of the god Augustus, the beginning of the Oyangelion, the gospel. If not Luke, then the book of Mark begins in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, using those exact same words, I think even the same word order. Um, it might challenge us to, on what we underst- understand Jesus as the Savior and the King and the Ruler, because everyone was being called gods and kings and saviors in those days. Uh, they were calling um, Herod the Savior and, and Caesar Augustus the Savior and, and they're all sons of gods and they were they were putting they were making temples to these these gods and, and these rulers that you would worship. Um, you would worship the emperor. In fact, that's why many of the early Christians died because they wouldn't give their ultimate worship and allegiance to Nero and some of the other emperors. So I do think Luke is writing a challenge. He's saying, this is our God. And he's using that exact same language to compare and contrast the rulers of this world and the baby born in the manger. Yeah, I think it's intentional. And the reason I think it's so powerful is we're supposed to kind of be like, oh, uh, that kind of messes with me a little bit because you're telling me that this one that Caesar Augustus that's issuing the decree and has all this power He's not the real savior. He's not the real prince of peace. This this little baby is, but only the shepherds show up to worship him, and you're, you're, it's supposed to kind of mess with you a little bit. And so then you then you have to ask the question: What do I get from Jesus that I can't get from a Caesar or a president or a government official or a company or a you know? It's supposed to compare and contrast to those things. And although God uses those rulers, and as big as their kingdoms are, 
that 200 years of Roman peace stopped. And you, you, it wasn't really that peaceful. Uh, Nero was killing Christians and killing a bunch of people. And, and you could even say Caesar Augustus' peace came through lots of bloodshed and conquest. Um, but it was temporal still. And the Christian church and the kingdom of God is still flourishing and it's still growing and it's still creating communities of love and belief and faith and generosity that, that, that no other kingdom has. So I think with a lot of things of God, you can't see them in the moment. And I think that's what Luke is showing us. You can't see how this baby in a manger could actually do anything that's worthy of being called Savior and God and Prince of Peace. But you have to wait hundreds, thousands of years. You can see immediate results when, um, yeah, Caesar Augustus stops civil war and puts the pirates in prison. Anything else? Is that interesting enough? That's a little hi- history fact. Yeah, it's not, good. not much to react to, but just something that I f- found interesting. All right. What do you got, Matt? Uh, so um, I read about this a couple of days ago. This is uh, from TikTok, everyone's favorite social media site. Um, the most accurate <laughs> form of news. Yeah. TikTok? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, well, I think all news is crap, so yeah, that's about right. <laughs> there are some pastors and thought leaders that I really respect that are TikToking. Love TikTok. Do I, should I get into the talk? I you, love it. You are. We, didn't we see oh. something from you a couple well, days ago, yeah. Pastor Ben? Oh, we I did. did. I did. Sweet, sweet dance moves. <laughs> that was just uh, a real though, Dancing for the Lord. That's right. Like David. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyway, in, in not so good news, so um, basically what happened is a bunch of people reported getting uh, essentially spam, um, but it was uh, very explicit photos, um, and there was a message like, oh, if you want to see more, you know, if you want to see the full video, you know, shoot us 20 bucks, basically. Um but the reason it and and I don't that's not totally out of the ordinary. But the reason it's kind of scary is that they were using um, Billie Eilish, the singer, her photos, but they were doctored photos. So it was either photoshopped um, uh, uh, pictures of her, or um, it's what they call deep faking, which is when you can take if you have enough video of a person. You can actually just run that through a computer and you can superimpose a person's face over another person's face. And they do this in um, big budget movies with stunt doubles so they can put the actual actor, the lead actor's face over the stunt double's face so it looks like they're doing the thing that the double's doing. Mm-hmm. And and it's it can be really, really good, actually. Oh, yeah. Very convincing. Oh yeah. Um and and I've seen some people like who are I guess I guess you call them amateurs. I mean, I've seen amateurs do it too. They're really into it, and they're they're very uh, very good at what they do. But they're not like, you know, not millionaire. Mm-hmm. They're not a studio. Amateurs deep faking. You mean? Yeah. Okay. And so I'm all I'm saying is that this is within the grasp of the public. Yeah. And so, anyway, in this instance, right, they use Billie Eilish's face on some pictures and I, and I don't know if those were actually pictures of yeah. her that were doctored or of somebody else but there's 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 kind of a scary thing looming in the world of 
spam and of pornography and of all of this of Mm -hmm. you can now take any person's face or in video form too Mm -hmm. right like it's not just photoshop photoshop is one thing but now you can actually create a video of a person doing something that that person has never done Mm -hmm. i mean the, the implications of that are terrifying because there could in theory be now a video of you doing quite literally anything on the internet. Mm -hmm. Someone could just take your face and put it on another person's body. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, scary stuff, but I wanted to get your responses to that. The first time I saw this, I was talking about before, like there was clips from the movie Back to the Future, greatest movie ever, and they they used Tom Holland as Michael J. Fox, and you couldn't tell the difference. Like it had his face, used used the voice of, I think Michael J. Fox and like it looked totally yeah. like like it was originally shot. Yeah, I mean, what are courtrooms going to be able to use video footage anymore? Yeah, that's one security question I have. Footage security footage, uh, if you could mess with that. Um, I think it's going to be pretty easy to mess with somebody's trust or their character. So, I. For me, I've been thinking a lot about this, how important it is to teach our kids and ourselves to just know your core values of yourself. What are the things that you, the non-negotiables in your life, so that there's enough mounting evidence in your life that this is who you really are, this is what you stand for, um, and no matter what somebody says or puts out there or does, you know, this would not, you, you wouldn't expect this to Let come from you. Let your reputation yeah. proceed And I just think that's going to, our reputations, I've been reading actually a lot about this lately um, in the whole influencers world of, not, and it's not just influencers anymore, but, but your reputation is the most important thing that you have. And the book of Proverbs has talked about that uh, more than anything. Um, so this is an ancient idea. But now even more important as our whole reputation is digitized, and, and put out there for the world to, uh, to see. So you just got to really care about your character because there's going to be a lot of ways that people are going to try to mess with that. And your personal physical reputation might be different than your yeah. online reputation mm-hmm. or your, your avatars we've talked about, yeah. you know, your secondary personality or whatever. So there's two might be dealing with two separate yeah. Reputations. But I think with the deep faking thing, something that's concerning, it's almost, I don't know, I it's very violating, I would think, to have your image put on, you know, particularly a sexually explicit, yeah. you know, like that is, yeah. I would almost liken that to, I don't know, like just... Some a, kind of fraud, right? Or, or assault, yeah. or like, right. you know, like yeah. sexual something. Um, I don't know if we've... Yeah come across that or like you know if there's been any like um precedent set with like court cases or anything to address that um i know of one case where a person was like taking video of girls that weren't no non-consent and like and he's facing many many charges of i don't know i don't know if it what the the exact charge is called, but it's it, it's years and years of 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 charges because of yeah filming. But that's 
that's the actual person. Right. As exactly. As opposed to, like, right. I would well, think it's that technically be... not yeah. the person. Yeah. But you are using the image. Yeah. And and I that's just think really of, sad. I mean, the number of people that would become like obsessed with their favorite actor or really kind of obsessed yeah. or fetishizing their favorite actress, mm. and it's like. There's tons of video of those people. That's what they do for a living. And that right. could really be hours of footage of those people that you could use. And all you do is I mean, you just compile it yeah. and you can copy and paste basically. And we already yeah. know that porn like warps your mind. So now right. now we do that with yeah. you know, a celebrity or yeah. or who knows, you know, somebody right. you know. Right. Oh, yeah. gross. Way gross. I think for me like the spiritual implications is uh, it just again proves th- the one thing you, I think you can prove about from the scriptures is original sin. That if there's anything that could be used for good, we will find a way to screw it up, <laughs> and we will find a way to make it bad. Um, so that that's so clear with something like this. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing. Is just uh, how many ways can we find out ways to be corrupt? It's yeah. it's the, our corruption is endless, yeah. And how many ways can we hide? Hide, you know, no one's doing this openly. It's all yeah. uh, behind the scenes. It's all uh, spam email. It's hard to trace back to the person because we all know deep down, people know this is wrong bad, and sinful. Right. It's bad. It's not. It's not truthful. Yeah. Now we, bad. you know, my friend and I often for promo stuff for music, we use the Reface <laughs> app. <laughs> Which is those are so great, but see, but it's kind of like that. But I mean, but but so the idea, and I'll, maybe I'll just show you some later, Ben. But um, you know, uh, you can find like <laughs> one he did was uh, of he he superimposed our faces on Sunny and Cher. Ah, you know, and and mm-hmm. but but it's it's really poorly done. Okay, you know, so it's like you can tell this is an obvious like fake. But it's really funny and like so. The Britney Spears one is the best. Oh, and I'll have yes, I'll show you that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so scary. But the point is, so so I took his face and I put it on uh, a clip from Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. Video. Okay. And you put Matt's face. No, no, no. Oh. My friend. Well, okay. Yeah. And and um, it kind of started a war on on social media, you know. But but a friendly one. Yeah. You know, we poke at each other. But um. So but but it's so bad. It's so obvious right. that like no. This to is- be fair, the first one I watched, it was because it was like choppy and black and white, and I was confused. And I was like, "Did they do like a dress up thing and actually like <laughs> shoot like a parody?" I'm like, "Why? This is so much effort." Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't actually think that it was fake the very first time I saw one. Of oh, them. really? Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of them look really like you can yeah. just tell. It's yeah. like you know, it's not quite lined up properly. Yeah. Anyway, so we are. You know, we're. I'm using this type of thing right. on a much lower and poorer right. quality thing and certainly just for fun and not for anything. Yeah. Weird. So you just think if somebody has a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, a little bit of knowledge, what you could do. A little bit of obsession. It. Yeah. You, you know, say a lot that. of time, way too much time. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is as much as we can just have real people with real conversations mm-hmm. in the real world, that's... That's fantastic. I so. really think the future is going to be even more of just people like living in their rooms mm-hmm. and they work remotely and they make a living, you know, just miserable and trying to find happiness somewhere out on the internet or with some yeah. whatever. I can't even imagine that. Ugh, I can't imagine. I Yeah. It's demolition. It, is it demolition, man? 
what was that? Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, horrible movie that. back in the nineties, I think. And they predicted like this, some of this stuff, like you wouldn't actually have real intimacy. You would just put on these headsets and mm. you would, you know, mm. be in the same room with the person. You actually wouldn't touch each other. And, uh, oh, that's you know, going like, to happen for sure. And then all these other, you know, all these things are just so digital. You don't have a real life. So I, I think what we, whatever we can do to still be in the real world is <laughs> important. Oh, yeah. Interesting topic. Anything else on there that you want to scare us with, Matt? <laughs> Stay off the internet. <laughs> Except, for wife, yeah. Except for this podcast. Except for this podcast. Yes. Right. This is good content right here. All right. Peace. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B S A D L E R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.